Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is God is Our Refuge, Joshua 21 to 9. And just like last week, once again, we have a tricky subject to deal with, a tricky subject. Just want to encourage you once again, listen till the end, and if you're still not happy, well, don't tell me. Go home and you can have roast chuck for lunch. Instead of chuck roast, you have roast chuck. But, but, your, but your beef will be with God's word, not with me, because I'm only just going to share you what God says here. So I just, just kind of hit me, all right? Yeah, so anyway. <laughs> So, as you know, I grew up on a farm, and I saw a lot of bad accidents and even deaths. We, we witnessed a lot of crazy things that happened. I knew a lot of people I knew were, were uh, injured pretty badly. I had some friends mangled and some pretty bad things, and some even killed. Uh, I remember one friend of our family who was caught in an auger inside the silo and got killed in the auger. The machinery is very, very dangerous. Uh, I had another friend, uh, one of our Playmates, really, from our neighborhood. Uh, he was helping next on the farm next door, and he, he touched the, the hay elevator, and there was electrical short, and he was electrocuted, killed right up in the hayloft. Uh, good friends of ours, all of them. Another guy who worked for us, good friend of our family. Uh, he was down cutting up wood in, a, in a, a ditch after a rainstorm. An electrical wire had fallen into the ditch, and when he went down to cut chainsaw, he was electrocuted, he was killed. We saw a lot of crazy things happen uh, on the farm, some you know, shocking things, you know, just crazy things that, that happen. And um, I remember another guy who was, uh, my, we went on a family vacation. We rarely went on a family vacation. And after this happened, we didn't go for a long time again. Seven years my dad waited until uh, we got old enough to, because we were so responsible, he could trust us. Wink, wink. But anyway, uh, he went on a vacation, and, and the, the guys who, he, who used to work for us, he's, you know, older teenagers, he left the farm in their hands for a couple, you know, a week or whatever it was, and got back, and one, they were, they were, they smashed the tractor, they didn't milk the cows, right, it was a mess, the farm was a mess, but the worst thing they did is they were shooting the turtles out on the pond, and my, you know, we had all these turtles out in the pond, we like, like, kind of like pets in a way, they're out there shooting the turtles, and one of the guys, he shot, and the ball, the, the bullet ricocheted off the water, and kept going, and the next farm over, about a quarter mile away, one of the hired hands was out, out working, and it hit him, the bullet hit him, grazed his chest, knocked him down, they called the police, police were all there, oh, it was fun coming home to that, right, but it actually shot the guy, uh, but, he, but he survived, now, these were all accidents, but the death that really shook us up was not an accident. It was a murder. Uh, the same friends were, all this was happening right across the road. They're very, very good friends of ours. We always played together, did everything together. They were out playing in the woods one day, and they found a body. And it, the, guy, the same guy that was wounded in that shooting was now shot and killed, murdered by another farm worker, they got in an argument over something and, and murdered him. They found this body, this murdered person, and that really shook us all up, because we knew the guy, and we, they were, it was right, I could throw a stone where they found him, it was right in the woods next door, and, and, and even the, all the other stuff was accidents, but it was something that was on purpose, it was a whole different level of, of trauma. As much as the other stuff would traumatize us, this was a whole other level of trauma to, to know there was a murder right there. You see, there's a big difference between an accident and a murder, which we'll see today in Joshua chapter 20. 
God sees it very differently too. Let's pray. Father, we th- thank you for the worship. We thank you for bringing each of us here for, for a very specific purpose. Lord, we know that we're going to be celebrating communion. But even this passage, as is, is difficult it is, it is, we're going to see that it does really prepare us for the Lord's Supper. We pray for your mercy and grace now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, there's an outline, an insert in your bulletin. You can follow along or keep that and hang on to it and take it home. You can look it all up uh, you know, more and study some more. But we're in Joshua chapter 20. In Joshua chapter 20, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Tell the Israelites to designate the cities of refuge, as I instructed you through Moses, so that anyone who kills a person accidentally and unintentionally may flee there and find protection from the avenger of blood. When he flees to one of these cities, he is to stand in the entrance of the city gate and state his cause before the elders of that city. Then they are to admit him into the city and give him a place to live with them. If the avenger of blood pursues him, they must not surrender the one accused because he killed his neighbor unintentionally or without malice aforethought. He is to stay in that city until he has stood trial before the assembly and until the death of the high priest who is serving at that time. Then he may go back to his own home and the town from which he fled. So they set apart Kadesh in Galilee in the hill country of Naphtali, Shechem in the hill country of Ephraim, Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, in the hill country of Judah. On the east side of the Jordan of Jericho, they designated Bazir in the desert on the plateau in the tribe of Reuben, Ramoth in Gilead in the tribe of Gad, and Golan in Bashan in the tribe of Manasseh. Any of the Israelites or any alien living among them who killed someone accidentally could flee to these designated cities and not be killed by the avenger of blood prior to standing trial before the assembly. Okay, there we go. Now, first of all, I want to address the punishment for murder because this involves the punishment for murder. We call it capital punishment today in America. This is what the USA, we call it capital punishment. The biblical basis for capital punishment comes from Genesis 9-6. Genesis 9-6 where it says, Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made man. This is not anti-life. A lot of people say, well, if you're pro-life, you can't. No, this is not anti-life. Many are confused. This is really pro-life because life is sacred. It's so sacred that God says we must hold somebody accountable for taking it intentionally because we're made in God's image. Genesis 1.27, we're made in God's image. It's very, very serious in God's sight to kill another human being no matter how old they are. God gives the government, in the Bible, not individuals, he gives the government the authority and the responsibility to punish murderers with death. And nowhere in the Bible is Genesis 9-6 negated. It's never negated. Some people are confused. Even Christians are confused by that because they say, well, what about Matthew? And I'll give you the most common one. Matthew uh, 5, in Matthew 5, 38 to 39, when Jesus is talking... And he says uh, there, he says, You have heard it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Turning the other cheek. So he, he says, you have heard it said. Now, notice something. He didn't say it is written. 
Because it is written eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But he doesn't negate God's word. He, he's negating it is said. You've heard it said. And what has happened over time is this became misused and abused. And people started to take it, take the government's job of executing someone or, or righting a wrong. They started to take it on themselves. And by Jesus' time, it had deteriorated into this everybody getting everybody back for anything. They misused it. The Pharisees, surprise, had mis- misused this, this passage. So Jesus is not negating Genesis 9-6 here. He's talking about individual revenge and the abuse of this teaching. In fact, in Romans 13-4, in Romans 13-3 and 4, we see what Paul says. Uh, he says, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from the fear of authority? Then do it as right and he will commend you. For he is God's servant to do you good, but if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant and agent of wrath to bring punishment on wrongdoing. We all know what you do with a sword, all right? Uh, given the, God has given the government the authority to punish with a sword, including capital punishment. So God never negated capital punishment, but this is important. He did put safeguards into his law. He put safeguards into the law because, as we know, there's a lot of misuse of capital punishment in all over the world, including the USA. But if we follow God's biblical safeguards, that wouldn't happen. He put safeguards in the law. Joshua 20 comes from Numbers 35. In Numbers 35, 9 to 13, we'll start there. Listen to what it says here. Numbers 35, verse 9. Then the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, When you cross the Jordan and the Canaan, select some towns to be your cities of refuge, to which a person who has killed someone accidentally may flee. They will be places of refuge from the avenger, so that a person accused of murder may not die before he stands trial in the assembly. These six towns will you give will be your cities of refuge. Give three on this side of the Jordan and three on the... Uh, and the Canaan as cities of refuge. These six towns will be a place of refuge for Israelites, aliens, and any other person living among them so that anyone who has killed another accidentally can flee to them. So the cities of refuge were to be a safeguard. A safeguard. What had happened is God had given... The, the law of capital, you know, the, the law of capital punishment, Genesis 9, 6, and, and on, always consistent with that. But over time, God's command to punish murderers degenerated into a revenge by an avenger of blood. Really, a revenger of blood. All right? This, the, God never commanded there to be an avenger of blood. He never wanted this to be the system. But over... But, what had ta- happened is it had, over time it had degenerated into this revenge thing. Think Wild West, which we're starting to get close to again, aren't we? You know, the Wild West, everybody had to carry a gun. Bonanza, everybody had to carry a gun. The gun was the law, right? And, and, but what happened is in this culture of everybody kind of handling the law themselves, they did try to follow the law, but it kind of became the self-law. What happened there? Many times there were lynchings, right? And, and sometimes, many times there were rash mistakes. Remember, hang on high, you know? You know, uh, the, 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 there was rash mistakes. People would be, be hung. The wrong person would be hung. So God gives the cities of refuge regulation. This is not approval of the revenger, of the avenger of blood. That This is not giving approval of that. In fact, God regulates a lot of things that he didn't approve of. He regulated slavery. God never approved of it. 
God regulates this, this avenger of blood, never approves of it. God, uh, and I'll give you a proof of it, God regulated divorce. Regulated divorce. Did he approve of it? No, not at all. In fact, Jesus said, hey, they said, well, why did God say we could, could divorce? And Mo, remember what Jesus said? Moses gave you that because of your hard hearts. God never wants you to divorce, never wanted you to divorce, but he knew you were going to do it, so he regulated it because of your hard hearts. And the same thing goes here. God never wanted there to be an avenger of blood. This is not scriptural that there's avenger of blood. He simply regulates and tries to give people protection because he did give capital punishment, but he didn't give the avenger of blood. Okay, So that's important to understand. So the, the cities of refuge were given to stop the lynchings, to avoid the Hatfields and McCoys, feuds breaking out, everybody starting to fight and kill each other back and forth, the blood feud escalations. It was a cooling off time for the avenger of blood. It gave a chance for an orderly investigation. That's what it did. And once someone was inside the, the, the uh, city of refuge, the executioner could no longer, the avenger could no longer kill him. He was no longer the executioner. He became the prosecutor. He would come and try to prosecute in front of the elders and try to get the guy outside so he could kill him. And then, and then they would try to determine, was he really a killer? Or was he just clumsy? Was it an accident? That was they tried to figure out. Some additional safeguards. Numbers 35. Once again, we're Numbers 35. Verses 20 and 21. He says, If anyone with malice aforethought, notice that, malice aforethought, shoves another or throws something at him intentionally so that he dies, or if in hostility he hits him with his fist so that he dies, that person shall be put to death. He is a murderer. The avenger of blood shall put the murderer to death when he meets them. So we see that a murderer, someone who, who kills intentionally or just out of anger kills someone, uh, couldn't hide in the city of refuge. If it was premeditated or intent to injure and then they die, they couldn't hide in there. Also, Verses 24 to 25 give some more regulations. The assembly must judge between the avenger of blood according to these regulations. The assembly must protect the one accused of murder from the avenger of blood and send him back to the city of refuge to which he has fled. He must stay there until the death of the high priest who is anointed with the holy oil. So we see that even though the person might be innocent, their freedom was still curtailed. Even though they may have killed somebody not on purpose... They still, there's still a consequence for what they did. Their freedom is curtailed. They, they, because time, God knew time heals the passion, heals the wound. And, and, and if the person did kill someone, they still killed someone. Even if it was just carelessness, there's still consequences. Think of a car accident. If you're driving your car and you kill somebody, there's still consequences. Uh, you, you could lose your license. You could even do jail time. You, we lose our freedom because if we're care- even if it's carelessness, that can still happen. Okay? Uh, Numbers 35.30 says this. Anyone who kills a person is to be put to death as a murderer only on the testimony of witnesses. But no one is to be put to death on the testimony of only one witness. We see another regulation. Capital punishment is biblical. It's very important, but it must be practiced biblically if we're going to do it. Now, we don't do it biblically. We have a lot of problems with capital punishment in our country. But if it's practiced biblically, there must be multiple eyewitnesses. 
Talk about a safeguard. It can't be just one person who's trying to get, get someone out of the way, right? It has to be multiple eyewitnesses. In Deuteronomy 17.6, there's more to this. In Deuteronomy 17.6, listen to what it says. On the testimony of one, two or three witnesses, a man shall be put to death, but no one shall be put to death on the testimony of only one witness. It has to be multiple witnesses. Then verse 7, the hands of the witnesses must be the first in putting him to death, and then the hands of all the people, you must purge the evil from among you. Woo! That's a safeguard, isn't it? It's one thing to accuse someone, but it's another thing to throw the first stone to kill the person. That is a safeguard in place to, to make sure that, that someone, that's just, it's just a safeguard. Not only are, do they have to be the witness, but, but they, they have to be the first to throw the first stone, and not only that, after that, the entire assembly is right, told to also throw stones. Why would all the other people then have to throw stones? Because verse 13, all the people will hear and be afraid and will not be contemptuous again. It's a deterrent. It's a deterrent. That's what the whole point of it is. Now, a lot of people claim, a lot of these experts claim, church, uh, capital punishment doesn't deter murder. They are wrong. The problem is not not capital punishment. The problem is our system is flawed. In fact, in Ecclesiastes 8.11, it says, When the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, the hearts of the people are filled with schemes to do wrong. That's the problem. In the USA, we are slow, if at all, right? Years and years and years, if at all. And that's the problem. It's God has given capital punishment to, to show that life is sacred, to be a deterrent. He's put the safeguards in place, but, but many still don't want to do it. They say, no, 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 no. And, uh, and look at what, it doesn't work. Listen, what do the criminals use? What do gangs use? They use capital punishment. If someone crosses the line, they kill them. Why do they do that? Because they know it works. They know it works. They, they know it deters and, and, and capital punishment is vital, vital, vital. Numbers 35.30 says this. It says, do not, and this is why it's so important, Numbers 35.33, I'm sorry, 33, says, do not pollute <clears throat> the land where you live. Bloodshed pollutes the land. An atonement cannot be made for the land on which blood has been shed except by the blood of the one who shed it. Murder. And, and, and bloodshed pollutes the land. We, we're all against pollution, and I am too, but there's a moral pollution that's very, very serious, and that is the, the, that murder pollutes the land. It poisons our land. Deuteronomy 21 even has a passage about the sacrifice of atonement for an unsolved murder. If we don't know who killed someone, there, there had to be a sacrifice, to, the blood, the sacrifice, to say we didn't know who did it, we can't do anything about it. Even that, you remember these TV shows, unsolved crimes, unsolved murders? Even for that, there should be a sacrifice because it, it's so important to God. <clears throat> it pollutes the land. Capital punishment is biblical. It's commanded by God, but with safeguards. Safeguards must be used. In the United States today, we need to reinstitute timely church capital punishment, but there must be biblical safeguards firmly in place. And we don't have that, do we? There must be multiple eyewitnesses. Never in the case of circumstantial evidence can you biblically execute somebody. Now, we can in the United States, can't we? But not biblically. 
There's no mistakes. There has to be multiple eyewitnesses. Um, and obviously, if someone confesses to the murder, you know, you could you know, execute them for that. But if, if it's circumstantial evidence, even DNA, you cannot biblically execute somebody. You could still punish them with enough circumstantial evidence. You could still put them in prison. A DNA, you could still put them in prison. But biblically, you cannot execute someone unless there are multiple eyewitnesses because God didn't want there to be any mistakes. Life is sacred. Life is sacred. Uh, which brings us back now. That's the capital punishment part. But the leading in, that's the beginning part. But leading in, the whole point, I want to connect some dots here to the cities of refuge in the Christians today, our, our life today. Uh, to Jesus Christ, really. The cities of refuge connecting to Jesus Christ and to us as Christians. Now, here we go. We look at the murderers. We are all murderers in God's sight. We have all broken God's law, every one of us. We deserve death. Every human being deserves death, both physically now and eternally, spiritually someday. We all deserve that. But just as the cities of refuge were accessible to one who sought refuge, we also have a refuge. We Today, because of Jesus Christ, mercy and grace is available to every one of us. Mercy and grace to every one of us. There were six cities, three on each side of the Jordan. They were accessible. Anybody could get to them very quickly. That was the whole point. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is so simple that even a child can grasp it. Even a child can grasp it. It's, it's that simple. Uh, the, the names of each of these cities of, of refuge all indicate they were built on hills. If you know anything about geography and the names, they were all built on a hill that anybody could see them. Anybody could see them and get to them. And the same with Jesus Christ. He died on a hill. Everybody in Jerusalem could have seen Jesus being crucified on that cross up on that hill of Calvary. And in history, history, everybody in our history can see, can see Jesus Christ. He's completely visible to every one of us. And notice something else here with the cities of refuge. The aliens were also welcome. Aliens were welcome. And we talked last week about the immigrants. Aliens, everybody is welcome. Even today, not only the Jews, but Gentiles, which is most of us, there's several Jews here, but, but even the Gentiles, every one of us has access to Jesus Christ. That it's been the gift of life is offered to all of us. Another amazing parallel with Jesus here is Numbers 35, and we'll read it again, 26. Numbers 35, verse 26. Wait till you see this one. But if the accuser Ever go, the accused ever goes outside the limits of the city of refuge to which he has fled. Got the right one. Okay, good. And the avenger of blood finds him outside the city. The avenger of blood may kill the accused without, the, without being guilty of murder. The accused must stay in his city of refuge until the death of the high priest. Only after the death of the high priest may he return to his own Property. He had to stay in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest. The book of Hebrews teaches that who is the great high priest? Jesus Christ is our great high priest. He's the ultimate high priest who died for us. He died for us. And the death of Jesus Christ set us free from guilt, set us free from the threat of death. 
physical and spiritual. Set us free from that. The, the city of refuge provided refuge from the avenger of blood. Jesus Christ's blood delivers us from the vengeance, from the avenger, from sin and death and Satan. That's what Jesus Christ has done. Our great high priest has died for us, shed his blood so that we could be freed from the avenger of blood. That's what he did. In fact, this is really wild. The Hebrew word for avenger of blood, anybody know their Hebrew? <laughs> comes from ga'al. Ga'al is the Hebrew word for the avenger of blood. And it basically stands for a male relative who fights for the family or defends the family. But there's several different usages of this word ga'al and the context tells us which is which is it's a referring to one one response to the ga'al which we already saw today is the to avenge a murder of a relative to avenge the murder of of a relative we just saw this with the avenger of blood the revenger of blood right but the ga'al also has another important meaning Context tells us, and the second way it's translated, the same exact word is also translated kinsman redeemer. Wow, huh? Boaz and Ruth, remember Boaz was the kinsman redeemer for Ruth? It's also translated kinsman redeemer. And that means this time is to rescue, instead of avenging, is to rescue a family member by redeeming them. They're in a big mess, slavery or, or bondage or, or big debt. And you, you, the, the, the kinsman redeemer pays the way out of the mess they're in. That's their job, to pay the way, to, re, to redeem them out of a hopeless situation. Let's connect the dots. I think you're already doing that, right? God's holiness demands justice for breaking the law. Breaking law is very, very serious. God's cosmic law demands justice if it's broken. We have the same thing in our country. You break the law, we demand justice all the time, right? Somebody hits our car, somebody does something. We want justice. It's written into our DNA. It's cosmic. It's part of creation. It comes from God. And and so God's holiness demands justice for breaking the law. And so many people I talk to, you know, and they'll say, well, God, you know, I'll say, we'll talk about heaven and will God let you in someday? They'll say, God's going to let me into heaven. I'm sure I chuck out in the street, you hear this all the time. God's going to let me into heaven. I'm not that bad. I never killed anyone. Right? One sight in God's eyes. One tiny sin one tiny sin in the sight of God is enough to keep us out of heaven it's equal to murder one sin and I don't know about you but I got a lot more than one piled up but God loves us he loves us so he made a way out he made a way for us to be redeemed he sent his son Jesus Christ to give his own blood to redeem us instead of avenging the blood, Jesus gave his own blood. He took the vengeance. He took God's wrath. He took the punishment on himself to redeem us. In fact, in 1 Peter, in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, it says this. He says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. 
a lamb without blemish or defect. We weren't redeemed by silver or gold like the, the kinsman redeemer. We were redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the ultimate kinsman redeemer. The law demanded justice. Our death, our blood for breaking law. Every one of us, it's demanded. The law demands our blood for breaking law. But Jesus Christ satisfied the law's justice. He satisfied the avenger of blood with his own blood. He had the right to be the avenger of blood, but instead he, he gave his own blood. Own blood. And he transformed the ga'al. He transformed the ga'al from an avenger of blood, and, and he became the kinsman redeemer. He transformed it, and he redeemed us with his own blood. Wow. Is that amazing? The, the picture that God has given us. And Jesus Christ is now our refuge. But he's even better than the cities of refuge. In order to go to the city of refuge, you couldn't have murdered somebody, Right? You had to be innocent or murder. But for us, anyone can take refuge in Jesus Christ. No matter what we've done. No matter what we've done. No matter how bad it is. Anybody can take refuge in Jesus Christ. That's the difference with the city of refuge. We are all guilty of breaking God's law. We're all guilty in God's sight of breaking the law. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. Every one of us falls short. And we all deserve death now and forever. Every one of us. And I'm top of the list. But Romans 6, in fact, Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. The, the payment for sin is death. That's what we all deserve, physically and spiritually, now and for eternity. We deserve that. But Jesus Christ's blood has made a way out. How? For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We deserve death, but we can receive the gift of life through Jesus Christ. And we receive that gift by putting our faith in Jesus Christ as our Ga'al, as our kinsman redeemer. We put our faith in his blood, what he did for us. Romans 10, 9 and 10, a couple chapters up, says this. For it is by, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with the heart you believe and are justified, and it is with the mouth that you confess and are saved. Have you ever... Come to Jesus Christ in faith and found him as a refuge. Have you ever come to him and, and received forgiveness? We have all sinned and broken God's law. We all deserve death and hell. And the only way to escape the wrath of God is through the death of the high priest, Jesus Christ, who died in our place. He took our place in the execution. In the electric chair, with, with the, whatever, whatever the execution mode, the hanging, whatever, the, the, the avenge. We, he took our place. And all we have to do now is to flee to him. God has provided a way out, a refuge through Jesus Christ. No matter what you've done, even if it's murder. The one who wrote Romans through the Holy Spirit's leading was the Apostle Paul. But remember what his name was before? Saul. And remember what he did? Murdered Christians, persecuted and murdered and killed Christians, hunted them down and killed them. And yet he writes these words. No matter what we've done, 
no matter what we've carried in today, we can come to Jesus Christ and be forgiven. If we come in faith and give our life to him, we can be forgiven. We can be, we can be saved by faith. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you ever taken refuge in Jesus Christ? As Christians, are you living in that refuge? Are we staying close to Jesus? That's what communion is all about, remembering to commune, to connect, to stay in that refuge. God is a refuge. No matter what we're going through, the songs we sang today, you know, the solid rock, wow. Mighty to save, awesome songs of worship about Jesus being our refuge. Perfect. I'm sure we heard the testimonies yesterday. How God has gotten Chuck and others through, and and so many of us through these trials and, and difficult times. God is our refuge. But there's also a warning here, and this is what communion is about too, confession and making things right. There's a warning. When someone, the warning is this, we must stay under the blood of Jesus Christ. We have to stay close to Jesus Christ. When someone left the city of refuge, what happened? Attacked. Hunted. Pursued. And the same thing goes, when we are no longer close to Jesus Christ, we are a sitting duck. We are open to spiritual attack. And you know what I'm talking about. We're attacked anyway, but if we don't have Christ to help us, we're, under, we're, we're sitting ducks, right? Vital to stay under the blood of Jesus Christ, to stay close to Jesus Christ. And that's what communion is all about. It's a reminder that we need to stay close to him. Communing, connecting. And we take the bread and the cup. The bread reminds us that Jesus gave his body in our place. And the cup reminds us that he gave his blood to redeem us and to set us free. It's a reminder of that. And, and, that, and communion is also a time to remember to confess our sins and make things right with God and with other people. And it's time to reconnect. Maybe we've gotten distant with God. It's time to that reconnecting. And how we take it, uh, we just, there's no right or wrong way to, to do communion. We just have the, the bread and the cups up here. And you can come up and, and take it back. You can take it by yourself. You can take it with uh, your family. You can take it with a friend. You can, there's no right or wrong way to take it. But the point is, is, is it's here. The only reasons why we should not take the Lord's Supper the communion, the Bible says if we're not a Christian yet, don't take it. Wait. Now, you, I hope you put your faith in Christ today. I hope this is the day. But if you're not ready, that's okay. Keep coming. Keep on the spiritual journey. Just pray through this time. It's okay. No, we're not judging anybody. The second reason is if we're not willing to give something up that God has asked us to surrender. If there's something in our life that, that goes against God's word, it's a sin. We say, no, God, you can't have it. I'm not putting that under the blood. You know, I'm going to have, keep this for myself. Don't, don't take the Lord's Supper if there's an area of disobedience. And I'm not talking about struggle because we all struggle. I'm talking about not surrendering something. Not being, willing to, to, not being willing to struggle. To just give up on something. Just to say, God, I'm going to do this. I don't care what you say. If that's the case, wait. I hope that you confess it today and, and surrender it today and come take communion. But if not, wait. But, but I hope everybody here takes it because everybody can if you'll surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And once again, we always have a prayer team. If you ever need prayer, just come up to one of the corners. During communion, after the service is over, anytime they'll stay, they'll miss lunch, they'll pray with you. There's always people here to pray to help you through whatever you're struggling with, okay? Let's pray.
as we go to this time of prayer, how is God speaking to us through this powerful passage? Are you able to commune with Jesus? Have you ever come to him and made him the refuge for your life? Have you ever come to him for forgiveness of sin and put your faith in him? You can do that right now. Right where you're, right where you're sitting, right where you're standing, right where you are, right this moment, you can put your faith in Jesus Christ. It's a simple prayer of faith. Jesus, I'm coming to you for refuge. I know I've sinned. I know I've done so many things wrong that deserve justice. But I'm running to you for mercy. Redeem me. Free me. I'm putting my faith in you, Jesus. I believe you died for me in my place. So I could have life. I surrender my life to you, Jesus. If you have prayed that prayer of faith this morning, something amazing has happened. You are now under the blood of Jesus Christ. You are now protected by Jesus. You're under God's protection. You're his child. His Holy Spirit is living inside of you and is going to change you in ways you never dreamed of. I want to encourage you to let somebody know. Maybe you came with a friend or a family member. Maybe you tell me on the way out. Just let me know on the way out. I'll fill out the, or fill out the card in the bulletin or text or call. Let somebody know because we're going to be so excited for you and we're going to encourage you and help you to grow in Jesus in your new life. For those of us who have already put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Have we been communing with Jesus? Or is something blocking the way that needs to be confessed? Maybe it's something we've given up, but today say, I'm going to start to struggle again. I'm going to start to fight again by God's grace.
with Jesus' power. Maybe you're going through a, a serious trial or, or, or struggle and, and you're reminded to come to Jesus for refuge. For his grace and mercy, for his strength, for his comfort. Father, we pray that each one of us would commune with you, not just this morning, but every day, that this would just be the start of a closer connection. We thank you for the love of Jesus, what he did for us, what he freed us from, the life that we have here that we would have never had. The difference he's made in our life for, for the, knowing that where we'll be for eternity is with you, God. We pray that your Holy Spirit would move in a powerful way through this communion time. In Jesus' name.